Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello again, and welcome back to the podcast. I am delighted to be joined today by Raj Mehta from ARM People Development. Raj, thanks very much for joining me today and welcome. Thank you. Yeah, nice to be uh, invited. You're very welcome. We're going to get through a lot of content and discussion points, but maybe let's just kick off with what consulting you do. Can you tell me about the business and who are your ideal customers and clients? Sure. Um, The kind of consulting I do is in the world of learning and development. Okay. My business actually provides soft skills training and design. We mainly focus on management, leadership, sales and service, but I also run a a train the trainer program and myself as well, I do one-to-one coaching for managers. And the kind of partners that I ideally work for are corporate businesses, usually medium to large size businesses. Uh What they tend to look for is bringing in a specialist level of knowledge in learning and development because either they don't have the knowledge in-house or they don't have the resource to design and deliver that training. And my company also is a UK channel partner to an organization called GPI. And we provide the world's first fully customizable 360 feedback tool and psychometric assessments. It's a nice uh, range of services there. If I go back to the services that you do for the large corporates and they don't have the expertise, what are examples of things that they would ask you to work on? So a few of my clients that I've dealt with recently are really looking at change and behaviours, mm-hmm. especially in the management space. So really giving them skills, knowledge, but also being able to give them ideas, hints and tips on a, on a sort of mentoring type level okay. of how to deal with change, how to be more resilient, how to cope with you know really difficult situations and scenarios. So it's about helping managers and leaders really drive their behaviours that then affect the employees around them. Right. And from a sales and service perspective, a lot of the clients will look at how to help deliver an even better service to their clients and their customers. So it may be within a contact centre space, helping people to be really much more powerful and engaging over the telephone or in a face-to-face situation like in a retail environment. Very good. And tell me, how did you get into the game? What's your background? So my background, actually, and I'm one of the, I think I'm one of the rare few. I didn't actually start in HR and L&D. I was actually in operations. So my background was in retail, and I started on the shop floor. And very quickly, over a couple of years, I worked my way up to general manager for uh, a company called Curry's and PC World, Mm -hmm. part of the Dixon Stores Group. Oh, yes. And through the experience and knowledge of the Dixon store groups of helping turn underperforming stores around by really engaging the, the staff within the store, making sure that they have the right development, the right engagement, the right motivation, and then turning the stores into successful stores, I was asked by the head office if I could replicate what I do in one store across a whole region, and if I would join as a regional training manager to give that kind of knowledge and skills to other managers in other stores. So 
So I actually was asked to join the HR and L&D function many years ago to help sort of expand that kind of people element within stores for the general managers. So I actually have a good uh, operational uh, background as well. Very good. Yeah, it's really useful, isn't it, to have that uh, operational experience behind you. So tell me, when did you move into the consulting world and how did you make that transition? So I moved into the consulting world, which I know quite a few people tend to do through redundancy, actually. Right. So I'd actually thought about it many years ago. I did actually mention to my wife, um, and I said, you know, one day I do want to step into the world of being self-employed, having my own L&D business and, and being a consultant. And I think what I needed was more breadth and depth of experience. So actually in the HR world, I moved from retail to hospitality and leisure, where I worked as a senior leadership and talent um, manager. And then I also moved into finance as well within the HR and L&D world. So when I'd had those experiences within retail, hospitality, leisure and finance, I felt that I had much more broader range of set of knowledge and skills to provide and when redundancy finally happened I decided to take that leap which was about 18 months ago so a year and a half ago I set up my my business Um, and since then it's been going quite well. Very good. What's good and not so good about making the move from the corporate world to becoming an independent um, L&D consultant? Wow, uh, how much time do you have spent? There's so much I can say with that. Um, well, it, it has been a tough transition, if I'm really honest. You know, learning to move from a, a fully supported functional role where you have a team around you who's helping and supporting you to what is predominantly a standalone role, first of all. So owning my own business is, what's really good is having all the hats on. You know, you're the business development manager, I'm the designer, I'm the deliverer, I do bookkeeping, I do accounts, I do the consulting. So it is really good being your own boss, but it is tough and it is hard and there's a lot of hours to put in. And one of the things you've got to constantly think of is, you know, the uncertain times. Is Is there going to be business coming in? Is there going to be a regular income? Can I pay the mortgage this month? But it's very, very satisfying when the results and the business does come in and you know it was all down to yourself. Mm. You know, one of the great things is the opportunity as well to work with such a diverse set of clients, you know, different wants, different needs, different industries, and seeing the fantastic outcomes that the interventions have actually delivered for my clients. Yeah. Not so good. Um, It's probably the same thing in reverse. You know, having to wear all the different hats isn't always great because you're just doing, you know, in the morning you could be a business development manager and in the afternoon you could be designing and late at night you're doing your invoices and receipts. Yeah. The uncertainty, the uncertainty is something as well, Ben, you know. You know, it doesn't provide that regular, every single month, your income's coming in, your taxes paid for. You know, you've got to drive those sales. You've got to source new clients. There's definitely peaks and troughs in this line of business yeah and i think learning to try and be resilient when there is no work and having to try put to you know putting money to one side to ride out those quiet times you need discipline in money Uh, management yeah you know my my advice out there is you know have plenty of contacts make sure that you really know your stuff in your field 
mm-hmm. and have the skills and knowledge to make a difference. You know, it's very, very important if you're going to be setting up and, and running your own consultancy in the future. And yeah. don't be afraid as well. You know, I've had to be very proactive in calling and arranging meetings with past and present contacts, asking for referrals, um, and be ready for hard work. Yeah. When you ask for those referrals, how do you go about doing that? What do you say? I think the best thing for referrals, first of all, is getting the recommendations from your clients. You know, are your clients endorsing you? Have you done a really great job for them where they want to use you again? That gives you the confidence to know that you could say, if there's any other businesses that within the within the actual company you're, you're working for, so another function, another department, are looking for this type of service, mm-hmm. then please refer me to that functional head or head mm-hmm. of department. And also, if you've got, if those contacts have got contacts in other businesses, you know, there's no harm in asking them if you refer me to other businesses as well. Obviously, it helps me, but obviously that also shows that they have the confidence in me. But now and again, that I might do them a little bit of a service by giving helping them with a bit of discount or helping with their L&D budget as well. Yes, to make it a win-win. Absolutely. A win-win is, is very much the aim there. So if they're going to refer you, then they have to have been pleased with your work. So what are the typical outcomes that they get when they work with you? Typical kind of outcomes for me is really thinking, have I made a difference to individuals? Have their knowledge and skills been enhanced through what I've delivered? You know, a lot of things in there about change, behaviours, and the way the culture is within that team or that individual where I've actually provided the design and delivery interventions. And, you know, his testimony is when you look at a client who's brought you in to do a small piece of work or affect a couple of people, it really has had a change in their behaviours, their knowledge and their skills, and then they ask you to do more for them and they bring you in to do more workshops, more design, more deliverer, uh, and then it proves that you're actually making a difference. So that's where I think I really help make a difference is in things like behaviours, culture, the knowledge of individuals and teams. Mm. Gosh, that's good. And the more and more I read about AI and the future of work and all of that, it's, I think these areas are going to be more in demand and a much bigger field. So it's, it's a good place to be for you, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I think the more we look at things like AI um, and the field of helping individuals really drive knowledge and skills, I think one of the key things is also driving behaviours and culture because it's great having the knowledge and skill, but if you haven't got the right behaviour to execute it and you're not in the right cultural environment as well to make it work, they should all go hand in hand. Absolutely. Can I jump back to when you first started in the business? How did you get your first few clients? Plain and simply, personal contacts. So contacts that I have that are in a position to make a decision and know that they've said to them, when I go out on my own, set up my own business, are you willing to use my services? And a few of them actually did say, yes, when you get started, give us a ring, let's sit down. And that's how I got started. So I actually contacted them. They got me kick-started. And from there, I was able to use my work with them as a springboard. Yep. And that really helps promote my services to more clients, referrals, and getting those actual testimonies of my work 
really important to get plenty of endorsements and referrals. Right. I think we all know the best form of advertising is word of mouth. Yeah. So my first few clients were personal contacts that I knew in other organizations who actually brought me on board. When you got those testimonials and endorsements, were you actually asking for written testimonials for websites and things, or was it more about uh, getting them to refer you on? It, it was both, to be honest, Ben. Mm-hmm. I think, first of all, I do have written testimonials and written recommendations from the clients that I've done work for. That's important to get onto a website. Uh-huh. And it's also important that when you're talking to other clients and new clients, you know, it's something tangible that they can see the feedback that other clients are providing for myself as well. And also then when they are referring, they're referring because they do believe in you and they do believe in the service I provide and and the outcomes that are uh, as a result of my interventions. Very good. I'm curious, have you ever gone into a company to do a small piece of uh, consulting work and then ended up doing a larger or longer piece of consulting? And how did that come about? If so, is it something you could replicate? Yes. The, the one that really springs to mind is my very first client. And that was through a contact that I had for many years. And, you know, asked me for some help to change the behaviors and knowledge for one of their teams mm. and provide just a couple of workshops in change, communications and resilience. So I pulled out all stops to make it really engaging, fun, but worthwhile in terms of learning and outcomes. And they immediately within like two to four weeks started seeing the change and the way that those individuals in that team were communicating and showed more resilience that they actually started asking me to provide several more workshops for more of the teams across two different sites and again with the same great results to this day a year and a half on they still continuously use me for their teams and individuals and I also provide one-to-one coaching for four of their senior managers now and on top of top of that i've actually been invited to four of their team meetings so far to actually attend as a consultant to help with the team meetings and be part of the meeting but then during the team meeting to actually do breakout sessions (laughs) um so you know that has really stemmed from just saying can you help me with a couple of workshops Um, And then over the last 12 to 18 months, I've delivered dozens of workshops and also had repeat coaching uh, and attendance at team meetings. Wow. Well, if I had to take a guess, I would imagine that they think you've done a great job. So so well done on that. (laughs) That's really good. Thank you. Is it something you could replicate, doing a small piece of work and then turning it into something larger or longer? I absolutely think it's uh, easy to replicate. And I know that sounds a bit overconfident, once you get your foot in the door with a client and they ask you to do a small piece of work, you've got to do everything and pull out all stops to make sure that it's the best, best possible for those initial first few workshops. That doesn't mean you don't do the best thereafter, but those first few, that small piece of work is going to springboard you into them understanding actually this would work right across other departments, other teams and other functions. So it's, it's not just, it should be easy to replicate, Ben, absolutely, yeah. because yeah. it's about you as much as about the intervention as well. Right, because I, I have been thinking more about this on, on the, the topic of the foot in the door, small service, because in theory, you could walk up to a business and say, Look, let me develop the culture of your workplace so that you're innovative and agile, etc., and it, it'll all be wonderful. And to a client, that sounds big and, 
I don't know, airy-fairy. It's just what does that mean? Whereas a more specific, small targeted project, I imagine, is easier to, to sell. Yeah, I mean, it's much easier to cope with something that's small in bite-sized pieces. You're in, you do a great job, you're out. But actually, you know, there's two ways to look at this. There's one way is it's your business and you want to help it grow and expand and get more referrals and more clients and more business. So therefore, don't just class it as a quick um, in and out kind of small project. But also that project, the way that it's delivered and the outcomes it shows means that you then have the opportunity to expand that across other businesses as well or within other departments. Definitely. Yeah, I've experienced that myself, going to one location and then all of a sudden the director at a, a different business unit has spoken to them and has called me in. So yeah, I know what you mean. Very good. What about the marketing now? So it was referrals and those early contacts. Has anything changed since then or is it the same process? Same process, really. I mean, the actual marketing, that I don't need to market myself with those particular clients anymore. They know what they require. They know the changes, the knowledge and skills that I bring and the skills and knowledge that their teams and individuals require. And at the moment, um, you know, which is very good for me, is that they don't knock on anybody else's door. They automatically come to myself. So I don't necessarily need to market or change myself from my current clients. But what I can do from a marketing perspective to source new clients is use that kind of... um, recommendations and use those endorsements to enhance my visibility and my profile so that new new clients can say yeah credible confident knowledge skillful got these other clients on board obviously there must be something about bringing uh, ARM people development into into the mix here so it really does help having that sure I know from speaking to other consultants that one of the challenges that they find is businesses don't just walk around telling people oh we have a leadership problem or our culture's broken so how do you find these companies or are you casting a wide net and letting them approach you what are your thoughts on that i think it's difficult just to sort of casting a wide net is absolutely great you know if you if you go out there and cast that wide net you're going to take you're going to you're going to get one or two bites absolutely there's a there's a lot of other Uh, small businesses like myself who provide my type of consultancy as well. So I think it's really important for me to know that when I'm targeting certain clients or I'm at networking and I'm meeting certain businesses, is it a business that I really understand? Is it in an industry that I can, um, you know, talk openly and confidently about? And when they talk about management and leadership, there's such a different array of different types of requirements there I look for what's the niche that they're looking for that I know I can provide. Mm. And I think when I have those conversations with those individuals, I think coupled with my background in operations is showing them physically, but verbally the confidence in what I'm talking about. And I think that's really important. Yeah. And you raised a very interesting point that when you're, for instance, at a networking event or whatever, and you meet someone and you're going through a process where you do you understand that industry, do you understand the needs of that industry or that business? Do you then sometimes disqualify some potential clients? I think in the world of soft skills, you shouldn't disqualify anything because it's very transferable. However, I think there are some industries that would look for very specific backgrounds 
And there's no point, you know, in trying to lie or scam your way through, if I can use those words, with individuals that know their industry, know what they're looking for. And if you don't have that experience and you don't have that knowledge, but you decided to take that leap and do something for them, and it doesn't work out because you didn't have that um, expertise in their space, Mm. then actually it's going to do you more harm than good. You might get an immediate bit of business initially, but then it'll just be closed doors thereafter. So I think it's important to be clever with, you know, who you're working with, what kind of businesses, what kind of individuals. You can't satisfy all of them all the time. But generally, overall, when we're talking about management and leadership in a general sense or sales and service, you know, it's quite flexible and quite transferable to uh, to a a large number of businesses. Sure. We've talked a bit about marketing, but are there any other HR companies or consultants that you think market themselves well? And if so, what is it that they do so well? That's a, that's a great question because there's quite a few out there, isn't there? Yeah. One that springs to mind um, because I've used their services myself, I think is a, an organization called Penna HR and they've marketed themselves really well. They provide a great HR and business advice. It's a supporting business, like an outsourcing support business that they do for people who are being made redundant and organizations use them for outsourcing to help them with as part of their redundancy package. So I have used the service myself with Uh NHR and I think it was very worthwhile. I mean, the the sort of clients receive the full service that they request for. You know, every individual is really looked after and they have some great HR practitioners with a lot of business knowledge there. The, the actual advisor that I had when I, when I used Penna HR contacted me several months after um, I used their services. And they actually introduced me to a new client wow. who were looking for an external L&D provider. So, you know, the, the, it, the impact they made on me, but obviously I must have made some impact on that advisor because when that advisor was consulting for a business who were looking for an L&D provider, this individual remembered me. So that was really good. That's nice. What are your thoughts on smoothing out cash flow by either systemizing your services or by productizing your knowledge or partnering with other HR companies? What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a great market when you're doing that kind of um, productizing your knowledge or having sort of like uh, systemizing or retainer subscription models or recurring uh, scheduled work type models. There's a lot of companies out there doing that kind of um that kind of work that the providers in that space so i've not overtaken the leap to venture out there too much however from a subscription model perspective i have partnered up with a company called gpi and i think why i've partnered up with gpi is because they were very very aligned to what my business actually does as well so they're the actual providers that give me the 360 and psychometric tools ah, yes and I think it's very, like I say, it's very closely aligned to what I do already. It complements my core business. And I think it enhances the L&D world. And that provides me the opportunity for regular or residual income and turnover. You refer or use the 360 degree feedback tools for clients. And then that's a recurring fee. Is that correct? Yeah. So what you tend to find with this uh, particular model here is that because it's uh, an online tool, that's 360 feedback, the 360 feedback tool can be bought as licenses and the licenses provide a regular income. So 
a large organization requiring 360 for hundreds of managers or employees will buy a license and pay a monthly fee. And they do the same with the psychometric tool as well. So the psychometric tool is really powerful to use in the space of trying to attract or retain talent in a, as like a, a recruitment tool. And obviously, organizations are constantly recruiting. You know, there's always a turnover in any business you go to. And what they're able to do is purchase a regular monthly license to use the online psychometric tool for every time they employ or they're recruiting new people. Right. So it's a very much a, a subscription license monthly fee model. Okay, smart way to go then. Very good. It, it definitely is, yes. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. So I think we, we touched on it briefly, but the HR industry continues to evolve at a rapid rate. And when I say HR, I mean L&D, but the, the, the broader industry itself. What, are, what change and challenges do you see now and into the future? Wow. Um, from a HR and L&D perspective, I mean, that question, I'll be honest, is, Ben, is bantered around what's new, what's different, how is, how is HR and L&D evolving? It's both a question that's asked in-house and externally all the time. You know, they want and need HR and L&D to do more and be more and grow their service all the time. But I, I've got two thoughts here. Mm. Sometimes it's best to let HR and L&D do what they do best and just be a HR function in its conventional sense. You know, focus on quality and stop trying to be more if it's not needed. However, at the same time, HR do need to be more business savvy and L&D uh, consultants need to be more business savvy. You know, really thinking about being a conduit for change within a business and support the overall business growth, but through people. You know, recruiting, training, retaining the right people at the right time within budget and timescales so that the business have the right knowledge and skills in place to move forward. You know, I do believe that sometimes less is more. So though it's evolving at a rapid rate, I'm not always in the space that it has to over-evolve as well. Yeah. I think the, the challenge I actually think, and it's quite controversial, this is, is that HR themselves think they need to be so much more than actually sometimes is required or wanted. Right. I think we in HR and L&D need to be careful sometimes. We don't shoot ourselves in the foot mm. by trying to be more than possible or needed. And you first focus on the basics to the immediate intermediate needs of the business from a people perspective and then when it's rock solid move to another level to think about evolving yeah sounds like the process you uh, have used to win and win work and then delight the clients that you've had so i'm a little disappointed i was hoping you mentioned that we all need flying robots or something in hr <laughs> but, but we'll go with your first answer um, I, th I, th I think that's it sometimes like you know yeah. As I say, the controversy here is sometimes even within our own function, our own world of HR and L&D, yeah. we're trying to be so much more when actually the business or your line managers or your stakeholders within the business sometimes just want you to be who you are. So yes, we are evolving in terms of the delivery we do, but we don't have to over-evolve to become the, you know, the CEO of HR or the CEO of L&D. Yeah. I saw somewhere, maybe it was on LinkedIn or something, but someone was talking about the evolution of jobs and jobs to disappear with technology and something. But the comment was that it took about 50 years for the person in the elevator, that role to disappear. You know, the person who pushed the buttons for you. 
<laughs> yeah, people, people were nervous about getting into an empty elevator. So I don't think it's changing as fast as we think. Who knows? No, I think I, I think for me, technology and AI and the involvement of using these tools that we do in HR should be a complement to what we actually provide yeah. as a as a service and a face to face. I think there's there's a space there for having people actually being there and and delivering a fantastic HR and L and D service. And it's evolved in terms of how we deliver that and what the interventions are. But I don't think AI can completely take over everything um, because that face-to-face interaction, that human contact is so important. Yeah, especially in L&D. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, All right, so we're nearly at the end there. So um, do you have any tips on interesting people or websites, tools, podcasts or books, whatever that HR businesses or consultants should check out to grow faster and develop? Wow. Um, I mean, there's so many articles on LinkedIn. You can get lost on LinkedIn. You know, there's some very knowledgeable people on there. Absolutely agree with that. I think it was going to give a couple of shouts out from a interesting people perspective mm-hmm. i know that i read quite a few uh, articles or replies and hints and tips from a guy called oleg vishnopolsky he's the, oh, yeah. the global he's the global cto at daily mail online and metro yeah, yeah you know yeah. he has he has lots of interesting posts and ideas and suggestions on leadership and behaviors there's also a, a, another gentleman that i read quite a lot of that's donald taylor he's the <laughs> chairman for the learning and performance institute and he has some really interesting comments and suggestions especially on the back of people asking questions online that he replies to right and i think that you know those are two uh, individuals that i tend to read quite a lot on on linkedin i think from a book perspective you know you asked the question about any any particular books that hr business should check out to grow faster for me i i sometimes like the old ones yeah you know there's a book called Who Moved My Cheese by oh, yeah. Dr. Spencer Jensen. Classic. And I think that's a classic, absolute classic. And obviously The Seven Habit, Habits by yes. Stephen Covey, yeah. which is another classic. But I think nowadays there is just too much choice nowadays. Yeah. You know, podcast, book perspectives, it can go down to personal choice really. One of the websites that I found that really useful is hrexecutive.com found it really useful some good insights into the latest practices some really good hints and tips also very good i have noted those down i have heard it said that oleg's not a real person but i still can't confirm or deny that one (laughs) well whether he is or not i think what he's posted (laughs) on there is is good enough He's probably a robot. We don't know. Raj, thank you very much for all of this insight and, and the information. The advice you've given has been fantastic. If people want to connect with you, learn from you further, or perhaps work with you, refer on clients to you, what's the best way of them finding you and getting in touch? Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. So search for me under Raj Mater and under ARM People Development Limited. And if they want to email me, I'm more than happy to take email inquiries inquiries at armpd.com please do send me an email through that as well excellent i'll put those in the in the show notes but i've got those noted down now that's great raj thank you very much i've really enjoyed our chat that's been brilliant thank you for the invite again ben it's been uh, it's been insightful talk to you again soon then thank you take care thanks for joining us today on a better hr business the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. 
That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.